The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome to the Yanks Go Yard Podcast. I'm Adam Weinrib alongside Thomas Carinante. Yankee spring training has begun. You might be watching it right now. Please put it on mute. Please, we beg of you. The Yankees are facing the Twins while we live stream on the YouTube channel. That's Monday. That's Thursday, 2 o'clock Eastern. But we're here to wrap up the action we saw over the weekend as well as look forward a little bit. Juan Soto. Made his Yankees debut, made his debut in pinstripes. They wore the home uniforms yesterday. Went pretty well, only fell over one time in the first inning of work, so that was good. Uh, But ultimately destroyed a three-run home run off the scoreboard. Only tripped out of the batter's box in his initial swing. We We ran the full gamut of emotions. Today, Soto has dove on his wrist in right field, trying to chase a bloop. Also, hit a two-run double off the wall just before we went live. The roller coaster has already begun. Soto was not somebody who I was nervous about injury-wise necessarily. Certainly not more than the pitchers, but I guess we got to think about it. Good debuts. Carlos Rodon, Spencer Jones. Good starts for some people who needed them. Bad starts for people who did not need the narrative. Oswald Peraza, Ron Marinaccio among them. Marcus Stroman also in his first appearance on the road for the Yankees. Not exactly what you need, but get through games healthy. That's what pitchers need to do. And on that front, it seemed like he did that for sure. Nestor Cortez ideally bounces back the same way today. Looked pretty good as well. Plus, the Blake Snell rumors. Big old pot of cold water from Jack Curry. What's next if the Yankees are looking on the trade market? We'll break it all down. Thanks for joining us. Again, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you do get your podcasts, as well as live on YouTube. 2 o'clock Eastern Time, Mondays, Thursdays. Bringing you a special guest on Thursday. We'll be at a slightly different time, 2.30 p.m. Turn your notifications on because we'll have an hour with Keith McPherson of WFAN, who you presumably know. He's got a great radio voice, better than mine, for sure, people are saying. Uh, (laughs) Live on the stream. Uh, So we'll be asking him questions and hanging out. Keith's a great guy. We can't wait for that. And uh, we moved. he moved around his schedule to accommodate us. We moved around our schedule a little bit. It's going to be good. But joining me today, as always, and will be joining me on that show as well because it's a – show hosted by two people thomas carinante welcome to the show thank you for joining me yes everybody i have an offer for you don't you forget it DraftKings is here sweat free first bet who's interested anybody if you haven't yet signed up for DraftKings, if you're a yankees fan yankees hater we welcome all of you make sure to get your first bet on DraftKings. new customers will get a second chance bet up to one thousand dollars while signing up with our promo code yanks go yard that means if the first bet loses you will get your full wager returned as a bonus bet up to $1,000. Have a lot of fun with that, but also be careful. Don't forget it. Um, Signing up with the code YanksGoYard not only gets you your first bet, but also gets you access to daily rewards and other profit boosts. DraftKings drops them right into your rewards tab. Uh, Very easy to use. uh, Fun. Gives you a little bit of of a journey on your your gambling uh, expenditures, whatever you want to do. Makes it a little bit more interesting. Um, If you're looking to join DraftKings, please go download the app or go to DraftKings.com slash sportsbook, register with the code Yanks Go Yard to make sure your first bet is covered up to $1,000. Also, 
that code supports us, Adam and Thomas, yanksyard.com, Yard podcast. So please, we appreciate the support. We thank you. Trying to hook you up. So least least anybody can do here. Uh, this offer is only available to new customers who are 21 and older and physically present in legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check the episode descriptions for full terms of the offer to see if you qualify. We got spring training baseball. Do not bet on that, but nope. enjoy. Enjoy watching because we got Juan Soto is a New York Yankee. Um, debuted yesterday. We had uh, Carlos Rodon give us a good debut after his horrible 2023. Uh, we got a bunch of other storylines to talk about here, but um, Soto's obviously the big one. That friggin' home run, pretty awesome. Um, and then tripping out of the batter's box. Why'd you do that? Diving in right field today. Why are we doing that? Please don't diving, do that. Diving in right field, why are we doing that? Like Tripping out of the batter's box, hey, he fell over. Uh, I don't know. Maybe his brain is working faster than his body is right now, early in spring. Don't understand it. But diving in right field, wholly unnecessary. The ball dropped in anyway. Uh, Nestor loaded the bases in the first, but struck out three people around those loaded bases. So good job. Uh, there's nothing scarier than a Yankee of any kind taking an unnecessary risk in spring. Juan Soto, in my humble opinion, has already proved all that he needed to prove in yep. camp. Uh, he's going to play, you know, the rest of the games because the fans pay money to go see Juan Soto and Aaron Judge, etc. But no swing tweaks necessary there. Don't need to get rid. Don't need to do any strength training. He uh, hit a hard, fast, immediately gone home run yesterday opposite field just sort of waited for one served it 428 feet 110 mile an hour exit velocity off the scoreboard just clanged off the scoreboard before michael k could even realize it was gone today just before we went live he showed that his wrist seemingly okay after he uh pronated in a little bit as he dove in right again on a bloop single for no apparent reason uh ripped another one just tattooed a baseball off the gap a wall in right center uh that's red sox therapy twitter account said that that's an out every single regular season game just so you know great uh yeah no i mean in uh the wall there the, they put a glove on the wall now you're allowed to <laughs> fielders can uh the wall is a fourth fielder i didn't know that well th- good tweet red sox therapy uh enjoy your cope uh there's been a lot of coping already with soto honestly because two oh, days so in two days in and he's already proving why he's not just a very good lefty hitter or an all-star level lefty hitter to balance this team out in the lineup he is the best possible fit for this Yankees team this year and beyond I'm not look I'm not predicting a world series I'm not saying Soto's here so the pitching's gonna hold up or Soto's here so they'll find a setup man I'm just saying if you're talking about year over year upgrades Soto is the best possible player you could have plopped onto this team potentially better even than Shohei Otani considering uh you know the limited you know Shohei Otani the pitcher and hitter we'll have a different conversation but Shohei Otani the DH exclusively with Giancarlo Stanton here and all that money it's tough there's some pegs and some round holes etc Soto is an unbelievable addition to this team and I do not need to see more Aaron Judge though uh we we got the two-piece uh in addition to soda's debut the two piece uh you know one positive one negative uh we're, we're gonna have some positive fun signs and some automatic bullshit through the rest of the spring the fun thing judge casually saying when describing soto that he wants to make his first year here as fun as possible Ooh. great job by judge full court press if you don't think judge and Hal Steinbrenner are gonna have a part in soto's re-signing or departure then you're wrong uh, I'm glad we get a free year, essentially, with Soto, a record-setting, you know, our money, so not free, but 
a free year with Soto to determine fit. Two spring games in, I think the fit's pretty good. Uh, but if you were worried about like, oh, will they be a, will they offend Judge offering him more than three hundred sixty million? Judge is already saying his first year. Judge clearly not offended. Judge not stupid. Judge knows it's going to take more than that <laughs> to sign Juan Soto. He and Hal Steinbrenner, Hal Steinbrenner even said he'd be open to midseason extension conversations if it didn't make things odd or strained. And based on the way Scott Boris is trending this offseason, maybe Boris even has to relent to Soto eventually if Soto really does want to stay here. Who wants to go into free agency with Scott Boris? Four of the Boris five are still here, and Cody Bellinger signed a one-year fucking deal with the Chicago Cubs. That's what it ended up being? Hmm? It ended up being a one-year deal? It's three years 80, but there's an opt-out after one and two. So opt out after he makes $30 oh million. Dollars. There are no guarantees here whatsoever. Wow. Um, so I don't know why you want to ride with Scott Boris. Maybe the mid-year extension becomes more realistic. Now, either way, it's pretty out. Aaron Judge is not going to put up a fight and say, hey, we'd love Soto back at the right price. No, first year here, he already said it. The negative, we're getting Mets bullshit. Uh, from our friend <laughs> Randy Miller. Uh, of course it comes from Randy Miller. He said he's got a friend in Soto's camp, and uh, I don't know, I just kind of think he might go to the Mets at the end of the year. Why do you think that? No reason. You have no justification. You thought Aaron Judge was going to the Giants as well. You made that very clear. You wrote a column about how Judge gave the writers a tearful goodbye after the postseason series in 2022 and was like, hey, I'll see you when I see you. So maybe Judge did say that, but regardless, he certainly didn't say it with the intent of going to San Francisco because he, say it with me, Resign here. Uh, only the Yankees, and correct me if I'm wrong, only the Yankees would be able to trade for somebody like Juan Soto in his walk here. And before the season even starts, on the day when he debuts in pinstripes and says all the right things about how excited he is to feel the crowd and he can't wait till opening day and he knows Yankee fans are special, and Judge says his first year instead of his only year, only on a day, only in New York. When that happens, would the prevailing narrative be, yeah, he's going to the Mets, though, because Randy Miller said so, because Randy Miller churned up the rumor mill. Only in New York would you have to deal with that bullshit. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm, I don't – please. I'm not worrying about any of this. Um, if if that is the reality, whatever, um, I it's more people just it, – it's, it's the people telegraphing to the end of the year because they think that – having Juan Soto for one year isn't worth it. It's not. Um, and why do you want to jump to the end of a season when we have a season to play yeah. here? You would not do that in any other city. I don't well, remember. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Francisco Lindor coming up on the end of his, you know, control in Cleveland. I don't think the Cleveland writers were writing about like, oh, this season's pointless because he's probably going to be gone at some point. So what's the difference? Mookie Betts in Boston in 2017, 2018. It, it, during the 2019 season, I don't remember Red Sox writers being like, an inevitable march towards the heat death of the universe when we'll have to trade Mookie Betts. No, they were <laughs> writing about the season that was being played. Um, I think I think Soto's more likely to stay here than go. Right. I think there's a chance that the Mets give him the bag. You don't know. None of us know. And the, Steve Cohen hasn't outbid the field for anybody yet. Maybe Soto was the first person where he just laps everybody, even though he and Steinbrenner have a good relationship. I don't know. But that's what's important about it is that I don't know. And I definitely don't care because we have a full season left here to watch and deal with. And the outcome could change based on how that season unfolds. Yeah. And look, we had our reservations with acquiring Soto, right? Like even at the trade deadline last year when we thought he was available or in the offseason, um, we were excited about it. But when you're weighing the pros and cons, you're like, it is only a year. His agent is Scott Boris. Like, you know, a team like the Padres is going to try and gouge you. Uh, because they had to surrender a ton to acquire him, and they were also dealing with roster, financial issues, what have you. Um, so you figured the negotiating would be a little bit more difficult, and you were sitting there being like, all right, well, if we're going to gut 
maybe the top end of our farm system or a very important part of our roster. Like, is one year really worth it? But guess what? We didn't really gut anything. To me, the trade package was very advantageous for both sides. I think more so for the Yankees because they were getting an all-world talent and not really surrendering a star in that deal. Um, the Padres made out. They got cheap depth pitching, which is exactly what they needed. So now, yeah, I, I think the conversation and the attitude has shifted a little bit because, yeah, it is only one year. Sure, it does feel like a championship bus, championship or bus season because of the amount of guys who are hitting free agency after this year, but – why why am I going to start worrying about what's going to happen in November right now? Uh, we, we have a full season ahead. We have we have content to plan. It's our job. I can't be worrying about what's happening in November right now. Um, so for all the, you know, for the salicatas, for the Red Sox therapies. Um, Who you know, is Red Sox about, therapy? You might be the only follower of this account. I, I don't know why it popped up on my thing. I usually don't get the troll stuff because my algorithm is good and I avoid yeah. a lot of it, but it somehow okay. popped up. And it and 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 I will I will engage. Um, well, that's worth that's definitely LMAO. worth. The troll. This is always an out in every regular season game. Okay, that's a hundred percent worth the troll. That Juan Soto deep fly out versus a double in spring training. It's 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 worth laughing about. That's a valid use of your time. Hilarious. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then there was another Red Sox content creator who said, "Don't be surprised if the Red Sox win games this season." And it was a clip of them getting a hit and scoring a run in their second spring training game. So this is I what we're doing. Win- they're going to win some games. I think the Red Sox yeah. are going to win some games. Uh, yeah. I would estimate they're going to win at least 70 games. Like, no yeah. doubt. Even at the <laughs> end. That's a lot of wins. I mean, yeah, if you're thinking the Red Sox could win some games, I would agree with you. Take that bet. They for sure will win some games. It's 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 just exhausting. And um, now, now that you – the attitude also shifts again because you see Juan Soto in pinstripes. You see him interacting with the media. You see him actually doing stuff on the field. So – yeah, the the energy and the expectations shift when it becomes a reality, not when you're just, you know, uh, throwing trades together, trying to figure out hypotheticals or, you know, we had a long we had a long uh, offseason with him on the team and not seeing anything. It happened in the beginning of December. It's you know, we're, it was over two months before we even saw anything. So um, I think to even to even be looking at the end of the season or to be Fit, trying to figure out who's going to be a threat. If anything, like you said, this is more in the Yankees ballpark than anything they've the, the, right now. And we will see, I have some concerns, but again, we will see the Yankees are offering him a very good setting with this roster and the, the upgrades that they've made. Um, they are in a better position because I, I'm not going to say Scott Boris is losing his fastball, but this is a pretty egregious offseason for him. Um, he had the best, you know, outside of Yamamoto, the top starting pitchers available, and he can't get any of them signed. And starting pitching is the best commodity you could possibly have. Uh, Cody Bellinger can't get more than a one-year deal after a resurgent season. So it, you're right. It makes midseason extension talks a little bit more realistic. And I don't know what that's going to look like. Um, you don't know who else is going to be in the, in the bidding for Soto at the end of the year. I would imagine a lot more teams than maybe we're expecting right now, but if he likes New York, if the numbers in the ballpark of what they're looking for, and you know, there, there's, there's a middle ground where the Yankees can save a few bucks and Soto can still, you know, get the, get the 500, whatever, whatever it is going to be. Um, it, it totally feels realistic. So, I think we'll have to, you know, obviously have to let things play out. We don't know what's going to happen. The Yankees have started plenty of seasons very poorly um, and probably have 
um, affected the the viewpoints of other players who have been here, especially when things have things have started off really bad. Um, Like, for example, the first three spring training games, I don't like how there's 32 strikeouts by the lineup. I was told that there's going to be less strikeouts this year. Same amount. You're averaging over 10 per game. That's bad. So um, I guess we'll we'll wait and see on that front. But the players who need to be producing are. um, And as long as the Yankees can do that and then make an impact at the trade deadline, that's going to change a lot in the conversation here. Yeah. And I I would also say that – you know, I, I don't think Scott Boris loved that he got traded to New York already. I, I don't think yeah. like, I don't think that was something he, you know, he, he's very influential. I don't think he could go in AJ Preller's office and be like, come on, hold out. Like go get, get Chase Hampton. You don't want these guys. Drew Thorpe's a change up merchant. Like, no, he doesn't <laughs> have that influence. He can't actually stop a trade if the Padres think it's mutually beneficial to make the deal now. But I don't think he loved Soto going to a place he clearly loves ahead of free agency and getting a chance to incubate himself in the Yankee system instead of being stuck, quote unquote, in San Diego where he didn't want to be, where he never chose to be, where he was traded the first time. I think Soto is definitely going to enjoy himself, uh, and we'll see if that ultimately has an impact on his decision. But either way, Aaron Judge going out on the limb and saying his first year here shows me that Judge is going to take that leadership approach in making sure that he feels comfortable, in making sure that he knows that Judge is willing to get eclipsed in his own clubhouse monetarily because ultimately the Garrett Cole judge Yamamoto Soto thing ended up being pointless because the reality was the Yankees just didn't want to pay somebody who'd never thrown a major league pitch before more money than Garrett Cole. It wasn't that they wanted to pay nobody or no pitcher more money than Garrett Cole. They paid judge more money than Cole. They'll pay Soto more money than Cole, or they'll offer it to him and we'll see if he takes it. Uh, If it's the Mets over the Yankees, it is because the Mets went absolutely crazy with their offer, something that they have not done in recent years. And the Yankees maybe didn't even come anywhere close. Like we know it's going to take 550, maybe yeah, even six something, six something yeah. from the Mets if they wanted to go ham. So the question would be like not only the Mets going 625, 650, but the Yankees going like 430, like take it or leave it. Like I think he would give the Yankees a chance to come closer. Uh, but yeah, if the Mets blow them away by $150 million, something they have not been wanting to do so far, who knows? Maybe that changes. But I do think the Yankees have a very good chance of retaining Soto. And I think everything Judge said and everything Soto said yesterday should make you feel the same way and not have to be batting off these ridiculous Mets rumors on day one of spring training just because the New York media can do it. They are doing it. Uh, do we want to talk about bad debuts? Bad. Or get the bad out of the way. Let's get the bad out of the way because we've been dogging Oswald Peraza a little bit, feel bad doing it, but yeah. he's stuck in the middle. He's in between right now. And, and you and I were saying this yesterday – how many top 100 prospects are we going to see just lose all of their trade value and shine in the Yankee system immediately? Uh, didn't do anything noteworthy offensively yesterday and dropped a pop-up. Uh, and basically his one chance to prove that like... And a hey, grounder. Yeah, and a grounder. Get this easy pop-up, get this easy grounder. Uh, can't do it. And then Ron Marinaccio, who told uh, Meredith Morakovic that he was in a much better place, felt more prepared this spring than at any point last year. And uh, two walks, run, looks like more of the same. And this was the game that was televised only by Philly's TV network. You had to watch it on the MLB package instead of the Yes Network, and that was probably a good thing because Peraza helped muddy Marcus Stroman's line. Marinaccio looked the same level of bad, and the Yankees got one hit in a nine-inning shutout. So that yeah. is the pockmark on this spring so far and two familiar faces at the front of the line. Yeah, I I feel bad for Peraza too. I, and this is 
it's more the Yankees' fault to me, right? Because if you have these, if you have all this talent, whether it's legitimate or not, I don't know. The rankings happen. The scouts say stuff. I don't make the rules. This is just what it is. But if you have this many top 100 prospects in any given time, you can't sit on all of them. And I know the Yankees made a couple of trades to change that um, over the last couple of years, but I still think they need to be more aggressive because you have to remember that the New York market of it all plays a very, it plays a large role, right? Because someone like Peraza, who's kind of in between, there's no, and there's no role for him really. And then when you really dive into it, he needs to be perfect when he's on the field or else he's going to look bad. So do I feel bad that he dropped the pop-up and booted a grounder yesterday? Absolutely. But he simply can't do that. There is no room for him to do that. And that is part his situation that he's in right now, uh, you know, losing out to Anthony. Look, he, another part of this is he lost to Anthony Volpe last year. The Yankees said this is an open competition in spring training. Whoever wins in spring training is getting the shortstop job. Oswald Peraza had a chance to take it. He did not. Uh, it didn't matter what his um, what his debut the year before did in September or whatever it was, but he, he failed in spring training. He failed as a part-time player, and now we're – we're a weekend in and it's the worst start possible for him. So again, if the Yankees had an opportunity to trade him and they knew that they were going with Volpe based on all the stuff that we've heard from the organization um, glowingly about Volpe, everything we've heard from insiders about how the organization has viewed him as a cornerstone for quite some time. Why wasn't Peraza traded when he had his highest value as a prospect? I don't understand. And Ron Marinaccio, I don't get how this is happening either. He was he pitching uh, pitching assets are fungible. We know that Ron Marinaccio came up as a rookie. He he instantly became an integral bullpen piece instantly. Then he suffers a shin injury and it's like, okay, that played a role. And now he's having issues with mechanics um, as a result of either those injuries or I don't know, based on um, based on very little we've heard from him and about him over the last, what, seven, eight months. He floundered in AAA so poorly last year that it didn't really feel like that there was space for him on the opening day roster. In my projection, I don't have him on the roster. He's starting the year at AAA for me. Um, And then yesterday confirms it. Like he gets that one batter out at the end of the inning, which looked good. And then he comes out the very next inning and throws. I don't even know what that pitch was right over the middle. And Christian Pache destroys it. It's like, you can't be giving, you can't be giving, especially young hitters, um, those types of pitches hit in spring training, you know they're going after the first good pitch they see because they need to make an impression too. So it's a competition all around. But, yeah, then he walks too, and you're just like, what's going on? How is this happening? How did another asset that looked like it would you – know, and in Marinaccio's case, he was going to be a Yankees asset. He was going to be fully a bullpen asset, somebody that we needed, somebody that – that unit needed to bridge the gap to the ninth inning. Peraza, to me, was always roster fodder or trade bait. And this happens every year. And I, I said to you yesterday, I said, do we need to follow another team for 162 games to see if this same shit happens to them? Because I need the I need to know if it does or doesn't. It feels like it doesn't, but I don't have the empirical evidence. I know we can crowdsource other fans and whatnot, but I need to see it for myself just so I don't lose sleep at night because I don't understand. It, it, it seems like this is... Uh, an epidemic for the Yankees right now. It's crazy. 
It would be great to consume no media either. So I just wouldn't know <laughs> that I wouldn't know Oswald Peraza was a top prospect. I wouldn't know who he was until I saw yeah. him on the field and I'd be like, it looks okay, smooth with the glove. Oh, not on that one. He kicked it. Oh, he can't hit. Oh well, on to the next. Like, I don't, I don't know, man. Like, I you can't hand the job to Glaber to him over Glaber after this season. You can't hand him DJ LeMahieu's job at any point. DJ LeMahieu's the aging leadoff man of this team as it currently stands. And as it's constructed, uh, they kept Oswald Peraza out of an awful lot of deals in the summer of 2022 that I bet they wish they had back. And even then, just looking yeah. logically, uh, when you were like, well, they got Volpe and they got Peraza and they got Roderick Arias and they got Trey Sweeney. And since then, they've added George Lombard, who homered yesterday. How many of these shortstops do you need, even if you move some of them off? Even if somebody becomes a center fielder, but none of them will, because you also have Spencer Jones and Jason Dominguez, who you're holding on to. So you you can't hold on to every single player at every position. I would love to have five top prospects in reserve at every single position at any time to deploy, but <laughs> teams don't do that because they typically trade their redundant top prospects for assets. And maybe if the other team perceives them as redundant, they go, okay, fine. We'll throw in a high ceiling lottery ticket to you caught us. We don't really need this person. Instead of doing that or paying the price ever, the Yankees for the first time just paid that price in the Soto trade. They're like, all right, you got us. We got a lot of high ceiling pitchers. We'll give you some mid-tier guys. We'll give you some number fours. We'll give you Michael King and Drew Thorpe. Fine. You got us. But before that, they've typically just sat there and negotiated and negotiated against themselves and somehow got uh, Pablo Lopez was on the table and off the table because they started putting Glaber Torres in that trade. Torres didn't want to go. Uh, you know, Miami didn't want him. Miami wanted both. I don't know what Miami wanted, but I know that we don't have Pablo Lopez. He's the ace of the Minnesota Twins. And Oswald Peraza is here making two errors in the first spring training game of the year. That's what I know. Um, but is it time to talk a reason why we don't need a shortstop prospect to transition to center field, potentially? Because Spencer Jones, your boy, is looking awfully good so far. And through action yesterday, uh, thanks to Fireside Yankees, uh, 40 pitches seen from Spencer Jones, not a single swing and miss. It's going to take more than one offseason's worth of work to correct a player who obviously has a lot of swing and miss in his game. The goal is to get his consistent hard contact and turn it into lift. When the Yankees tried to do that with Anthony Volpe last season at the major league level, it bungled him tremendously and he ended up being a 20 homer, 20 stolen base, empty uh, glove. Uh, just the emptiest 20 home runs you'll ever see based on actual productivity. Uh, if they can squeeze that out of Jones somehow, they have themselves one hell of a baseball player. And he did open this camp with a 470 foot home run that made you stand up and take notice and realize that is why he is not a Chicago White Sox right now. Uh, here's one spot where I don't care about the top prospect overflow. The comments are talking about Aaron Judge at first base for a reason. Uh, Giancarlo Sin potentially somewhere else next year. Once you can pay it down to three years, maybe it's a little more palatable because, uh, oh, Spencer Jones, Jason Dominguez, Aaron Judge, Juan Soto, Stanton. How are you going to make room for all those people? Easy. Stanton's the easy one out or Judge could be your first baseman. It's actually not that hard. You should keep all of those people. Yeah. Uh, Verdugo's gone after next year. Verdugo's um, gone. And, and I'm glad Aaron Judge agitated and wanted him for so many years, but uh, we are not extending Alex Verdugo. Yeah. Are we also forgetting about the potential tough conversation of Aaron Judge maybe over time logging more DH reps? I'd rather have a healthy – look, the DH is, in my opinion, for the Yankees, not a full-time position. The Yankees need to shuffle people in and out of the DH. That's when they've been best offensively. Um, 
Obviously, the only time they're better offensively is when Giancarlo Stanton is actually healthy, but that is not a constant. So if you have a roving outfield of Judge, Spencer Jones, Jason Dominguez, Juan Soto, um, Trent Grisham, he's got a year left, like that's fine and doable and great. One of those guys is always the, – the four of those guys are always playing, whether it's DH or whether it's out. It's just it, – it, that's what's happening. Um, in terms of – the Spencer Jones hype, um, there's a lot to consider here. First of all, he had unfair expectations placed on him, as we've talked about. It's the low-hanging fruit with everybody. Uh, Jason Dominguez got Mickey Mantle and Mike Trout comparisons for the, the day he was signed out of the Dominican Republic. Spencer Jones is tall and large, so the low-hanging fruit comparison was to Aaron Judge. Um, Spencer Jones has only done good things since being drafted out of Vanderbilt in 2022. Um, so he's been able to respond to those comparisons and that hype fairly well, in my opinion. Um, and look, we've seen plenty of Yankees prospects with great pedigree and a, a lot of, you know, chatter in their corner fail. Um, Spencer Jones was solid last year. And now this year he's off to a five for five start um, with that 470 foot home run on Saturday, really that pinch hit first at bat of the spring, like, that means something to me. It doesn't It doesn't give him an opening day roster spot, but it surely helps drive the conversation forward with him being a future player. And in terms of using him as trade bait, like, no, because if you're going to get a pitcher, it needs to be, it needs to be a top pitcher and the, and, and it can't be a rental. Um, and I understand Dylan Cease is not a rental. We'll talk about him in a little while, but Cease's value is low. And if we're going to play the trade game, you know, the Yankees are not getting screwed every single time they have to trade for somebody at top of market. It needs to, there needs to be a give and take when somebody's market is, is understandably low, like Dylan Ceases should be right now because he had a terrible 2023. The Yankees are not giving up Spencer Jones for that. Um, there's a reason why teams are asking for Spencer Jones. The Brewers asked for him. The White Sox have asked for him. The, the Padres probably asked for him, but A.J. Preller is a smart guy and knew that that was not going to be a possibility. So he had to drive the conversation forward and get his pitching. Um, so, look, you're talking about a lefty bat, which this team is needed. You're talking about an athlete, which this team needs. Um, I don't see any path where the Yankees trade Spencer Jones, and it makes sense at this point. Um, we Again, we do, we're not going to sit here and say that Spencer Jones is undeniably the future of the organization, but when you have a prospect trending like this uh, – and they're seemingly making good on the shortcomings in their game, which, like you said, a lot of swing and misses in Spencer Jones's game. That is no secret. Everybody knows that. If he's already correcting that in the first few days of spring training, and yes, spring training is long. We've seen plenty of people flame out after week three. Um, we'll see what happens. But the fact that that's been corrected in the short term and he's been able to see pitches this well early on, you know, that's a vote of confidence for me, and it's all the more reason why it's justifying the Yankees hanging on to him this offseason and not jumping the gun on any of these trade talks. Yeah, oh boy, oh boy, is spring training ultimately kind of boring as it just crawls on. But in the early days, it's very nice to get a peek at these players. Yeah. Uh, does Jones homering off, you know, the Tigers' backups and Lombard homering off, you know, third stringers yesterday in the Jays game, does that mean that – is that determinative? Are they, like, big league ready no, we got fooled by Anthony Volpe's spring a little bit last year. For sure, it happens. Bad spring does not mean bad player. Good spring does not mean good player. Unless it's someone like Juan Soto having a ridiculous spring. And then it's like, all right, 
I've seen enough. That's that on that. Uh, or if it's a pitcher who like the stuff looks crisper. I don't care about the performance. I don't care that Nestor Cortez gave up seven hits today in two and two thirds innings because of weird defense, because of that bloop on Soto, because of a hot shot ground ball that hit DJ LeMahieu in the head. I don't <laughs> care that he gave up seven hits in two and two thirds innings. He was maxing out at 94 and a half. He looked much better. Uh, and it's just that that's the, the key takeaway is what the action looked like. Not yeah. not the stat line. And so Spencer Jones goes five for five. He had a squibber up the first baseline yesterday for the fifth hit. That does not mean he's going to be a star. The 470-foot homer, though, doesn't matter who he hit it off of. That's important. You remember Jason Dominguez homering last spring, going wild, homering off Connor Brogdon, who was on the Phillies team and went to the World Series. Like, these things matter a little bit. The, you know, coming back from the, the number one outlier is when you blow a big lead in spring training or you come back from a big deficit fans mostly red sox fans are like we might have something special here or if you blow a big lead fans are always like no 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 it's happening again like that that does not matter at all as unfun as it is to watch what actually matters is the crispness of the performance and several key metrics like velocity increasing and velocity being maintained and distance on the homer matters more than the homer being hit uh, and with that in mind, Carlos Rodon and Marcus Stroman, I guess most of us didn't watch the Stroman debut because he needed MLB TV. The Yankees just took a lead, by the way. Jace Avina doubled in Ben Rortbet. This is, in fact, the greatest team of all time. Look <laughs> back what I said about spring training results not mattering. Avina from the Jake Bowers trade, absolute steal. Brian Cashman, cash god. Again, this is just a genius move all the way around. Uh, but Rodon and Stroman, I mean, Rodon retired the first four batters he faced, and they were real deal batters. Trey Turner, uh, Bryson Stott, top of the Phillies lineup. He struck out Kyle Schwarber. And then he lost command a little bit. They weren't diving over the breaking stuff. Uh, it is what it is. He would have given up just two earned runs. The bottom of the lineup would have taken him single, single, whatever. If Peraza had not dropped that pop-up, I was fine with the process. Not blown away. He didn't look yeah. great. But got through it ostensibly healthy. Haven't heard any reason to disagree with that. Rodon was the more important debut because we'd heard about he's touching 97 in the bullpen sessions. Oh, he's a totally different man. Uh, and so I would like to see – I don't need to see these starters pitch very long. I don't need to see much of Rodon to know he's a different man. It, an inning would have been fine. I was kind of annoyed that they tried to stretch him to 50 pitches yesterday because have a little awareness of who Carlos Rodon is and, like, how important he is and how important it is to keep him healthy. We don't need 50 pitches in a spring training debut. 30's okay. And then there is the – you know, end on a high note thing and the vibe doctor thing and the thing that this yeah. coaching staff continually fails at. Rodon's first inning of work, he's not touching 97, but he's touching 95. He ends up getting it up to 95.9. That is plenty good enough for me. Uh, sitting more like 94, some 92, 93 in there. He's working on a cutter as well, uh, which was noted in the offseason, but specifically pinpointed by Aaron Boone in the dugout yesterday. Uh, first inning of work breezes through it. Second inning of work gets the first two guys – then walk, walk, hit by pitch, strikeout, whatever. Uh, a little erratic there for five seconds. He said Garrett Cole reminded him about how to use the pitch clock to his advantage. All good. Two very good innings. I think he threw like 38 pitches. Get him out. Get him out. I've seen crisp fastball. I've seen good breaker. And he's, he's you know, knife through the Jays, no runs allowed. Get him out. They were so hell-bent on getting him to 50 pitches that they go for a third inning of work. Unnecessary strain on his arm, in my opinion. Gets the first two batters and tries a cutter to the final one. Final batter because he homered off it. So ultimately his line ends with a blemish. Two and two thirds innings, one earned run, 
5Ks. Does spring training matter? No, but can we at least give a win to somebody who got so many losses handed to them last year? I'm sure he goes home at night and he's fine, but can't we just make it easy? Take him out after two innings on a fire-breathing strikeout. Let him go back to the dugout. If you want him to throw 12 more pitches, he can go ahead and do that in the bullpen. I don't know why we needed three innings out of Carlos Rodon, and it ended with a botched experimental cutter because, of course, it did. Yeah, look, I agree with that. I also agree with them doing everything that they need to do to stretch him out. Um, So, yeah, you're right. I think there could have been a middle ground here where it's like, let him finish those first two innings unscathed, get his ass in the bullpen, throwing another, what, 15 pitches and call it a day. Uh, Then again, I maybe they thought that it wasn't a big deal because the Blue Jays trotted out a pretty garbage lineup. Um, so I don't know either way, the fact that the velocity was there, the fact that, um, look, a lot of Carlos Rodon's problems last year stem from getting shelled early on. That was most of, that was most of what had happened with him. He was never able to find his footing, um, velocity or mechanics early on. Um, and that resulted in a lot of the damage being done and him not being able to figure himself out and get in that rhythm. So, um, Hopefully they'll know for the next outing. Um, I'm not worried about him yet. I think that, hey, if they're if you're giving up a homer on an experimental cutter, then sure. Uh, then again, if that's adversely affecting him mentally, we have bigger problems. Uh, so I think we can look at this in, in various ways. Um, I, I do ultimately support, though, just getting just – getting after the job has already been accomplished, there's no need, no need for um, any more bad vibes um, as for Stroman, um, I'm even less concerned with him. Why? Um, Marcus Stroman dealt with injuries last offseason, as everybody well knows, um, during his time with the Cubs. Um, down the stretch last year, I have it right here. Take a guess. The last time he threw four or more innings in a start. July 9th. July 15th, very close, great guess. Um, July 15th was the last time it was against the Red Sox, six innings, one earned. We'd love to see that. Um, After that, three and two-thirds, three and one-third, three innings, IL for almost two months, two innings in relief, one inning in relief, three innings as a start, two innings as a start, season over. So um, any Marcus Stroman return this year is, is going to be a little bit of an uphill battle. I think he'll be fine. Um, he's dealt with issues like this before. He's he's dinged up plenty, so this is nothing new to him. Um, but if anybody was concerned about him getting off, um, you know, on the right foot, that's going to take a few starts. He he needs to be stretched out as well. In his and he pitched he pitched four games from August first until the end of the season last year, um, and he ended the year from September fifteenth to September twenty eighth, throwing a total of eight innings. He's a starting pitcher. He needs to be going five every game. He needs to be going six every game. So anybody concerned there, um, because I know how we have these overreactions early on, um, you look at the box score, you're like, what the fuck's going on? Um, Don't use the box score as definitive proof of anything, because again, it's about how players look and what they're working through. There's a lot of context to be had here. So two pieces there um, that I think are important to note. Um, not concerned about any of these. I, I, I liked what I saw to Carlos Rodon and, um, I'm not, I'm not worried about Marcus Stroman at all. He just, he needs to get these reps in. He needs to get acclimated to the new environment. Um, and he's got a month left to do so. That's plenty of time for a professional. We're all, we're all going to be okay. Everyone. I'm not nervous about Stroman whatsoever. It's just his first, it's just, 
you know, some players, it's their genuine first yeah. impression in a Yankees uniform. Yeah. Stroman, it really did just feel like it's his first outing. Like, there yeah. were, at no point was I like, hey, impress me. I was just like, oh, here he is. That's nice. Uh, and obviously, if he implodes, it'll be a story because of the way Yankee fans operate. But he didn't. He held his own, retired four MLB Phillies on the 2022 NL champions, and then fell apart a little bit against some absolute nobodies exited came back out which is what i thought they would do for rodon i actually thought they would take him out before he escaped that second inning jam then bring him back out for the third but he did escape it and that was great and then they kept him in there um i'm not ready to say like hey 2021 rodon is back 2022 rodon he here he is he's here but uh encouraging steps forward you combine that they're not going to gas up chris kershner of the athletic is not paid to gas up carlos rodon's bullpen sessions if he's hitting 97 and looking good and we see him physically looking good and he did physically look better yesterday on the mound and more in control until he drilled a, a blue jay on the foot and had to reconvene his own emotions uh i i don't need they're not paid to gas up carlos rodon they're in fact often holding the Yankees feet to the fire and saying, this isn't good enough. You need more. You need more lefty outfielders. You need more pitching depth. So if everyone on the scene says he looks great, and based on what I saw yesterday, he looked pretty good. I'm feeling confident about Rodon. I can't say there's my number two yet, but I can say I liked what I saw. And speaking of number two, we might as well talk about the pitching rumors, uh, which are both uh, rumors regarding a number two starter and rumors that are number two, as in horse poop. Uh, Jack Curry, when he teased yesterday that he had an update on Blake Snell and then it teased it before the broadcast started and then didn't mention it until like the fifth inning, raise your hand if you were like, he's probably going to say the Yankees are trading for him. No, why, why would that be a positive update or, or signing Blake Snell? Why would it be a positive update? He, I'm going to bury that until the fifth inning. Give me a break. Uh, so obviously he gets on in the fifth. Tells us what we knew already. He is the most plugged in person in the Yankees universe. He basically says, you know, it's unlikely. Snell, Montgomery, I don't see it. Uh, remember, Al Steinbrenner said, you don't need a $300 million payroll to be a winner. Remember, it is taxed sure. at 110%, $64 million if you pay him 30 whatever. Every other fan base in baseball is nervous about the Yankees jumping in on Snell. And Jeff Passan got it stirred up a little bit last week by saying, that the Angels and Yankees are the two best fits, and ultimately he thinks he will. Uh, you know, the Yankees are the team that makes the most sense. He didn't say he will be a Yankee. He said the Yankees are the team that makes the most sense. Maybe that's true. That's what a lot of insiders tend to believe. At this tax rate, with the Yankees' current financial straits and the pitching depth that they do have, you might not know the players who constitute that pitching depth. You might not be comfortable with Luis Heel and Chase Hampton and Clayton Beater right about now. And Cody Poteet brought a pretty heavy sinker into today's action in relief. You might not be comfortable Poteet. with those people, and it's fine if you're not, but the Yankees are, and they're in the building, and they're not going to pay $70 million for Blake Snell, which is what I keep telling people, but people don't seem to agree with that, so I'm glad Jack Curry said it. Uh, Bob Nightingale said it as well yeah. and hinted that a Dylan Cease trade is still their preferred method of communication. Uh, if I had to pick between the two, give me the guy who costs money, but obviously I'm not Hal Steinbrenner. Uh, and you better give me a cheaper price on Dylan C's because I'm not surrendering Spencer Jones. I'll give you a shortstop. I will give you a shortstop, but I will not give you Spencer Jones. <laughs> what if we were actually negotiating these trades? I it's, it should be. We should be. It's it's this easy. It's not hard. Put me on the phone. Um yeah, just so you guys know, um, Spencer Jones is not leaving for Dylan Cease. Again, that was what we were alluding to before. If if 
if Spencer Jones is ever traded, it will be for a top of market, um, somebody who couldn't be hotter at the moment. Um, Dylan Cease, though the early returns in spring training are good, though he says he's feeling as good as ever, um, doesn't matter because what is baseball? It's a what have you done for me lately sport, and his 2023 was not good. Um, and now the fact that you have two insiders saying that pretty much both scenarios are unrealistic. Trading for Cease because of the White Sox's demands. Again, we don't need Dylan Cease right now. We might need Dylan Cease at the trade deadline, and then at that point you might be backed into a corner and have to overpay for, you know, overpay uncomfortably to get to that World Series, which um, I think we could deal with that in July. Totally fine to deal with that in July. Not dealing with it right now. Right now the rotation is full. There are no injury issues. Um, in the event there is an injury, there is there's somebody who could slip into the rotation. That's why we signed Luke Weaver. Again, not the most perfect situation, um, not a desirable situation, but in the early going with the offense and how it's been upgraded, there is belief that this group of pitchers will be able to survive the first couple months of the season. And if you're not willing to bet on that, um, then your pessimism has to be at an all-time low. As for Blake Snow, we've been saying this a million times over. Um, Nightingale said that the Yankees are not willing to go short-term on him because of the 110% tax. Look at us. We were right about calculating the 110% tax. I didn't think you can actually go over 100%. Um, mm -hmm. That's where my hesitation lied. Um, but we love we, math. I mean, we've always yeah, been big. Like, you, you let me calculate the whole payroll budget. I love that. No, I don't. I absolutely despise it. Someone's <laughs> happy to calculate it for me, but 110% we did it. Uh, and yeah, it's extremely expensive to bring in Blake Snell on a short term deal that I don't even think he wants because everyone's no. laughing at the Bellinger contract because it's kind of laughable. It's, it's basically after the season he had, everybody said, Oh, Bellinger will never do better. He played free agency perfectly. No, he yeah. didn't. Because he's making $30 million good for one year before we can opt out again, bad. And why would he want to opt out again and test the market after he just tested the market and got slapped across the face? Yeah. So he might stay in Chicago for three years and then have to test for agency again at 31 when he's regressing and the bat's slowing down. I mean, not like 31 is 38, but this isn't good for him. And no. Blake Snell doesn't want to do that because he just saw the backlash to Bellinger. And Bellinger had a place he loved to be. Mm -hmm. Snell does not. Snell would like to be Yankee, and they don't want him on those kind of terms. So where does Snell want to be? Uh, he doesn't have a spot where he's demanding that Boris let him land. He's also out there right now Fortnite streaming every day. He was at Dave and Buster's over the weekend. And uh, he, he's like a couple of weeks away from doing uh, Trevor Bauer and Marty Mush in the Octagon, calling on Blake Snell to pitch and relief there. <laughs> yeah, and, and the reason the Yankees, in terms of um, the finances, want to go longer term here if there was a Blake Snell situation um, is because they'd be able to backload the deal and give him something very small for 2024, um, which would kill the tax payment. So like, I don't know. I don't know what the five, what was it? The five year, $150 million deal they offered him. Like, yeah, I would say maybe, yeah, I would say maybe he gets 15 million, 10, 15 million in that first year, which brings it to 20 to 30 million, which is something the Yankees can easily swallow as opposed to it being, you know, this short term 30, 35, 40, I wouldn't, you know, I, I, I'm not going to surprise me if a team signs Blake Snell for two years, 80 million. That just, it, it wouldn't be surprising. Um, if someone like Trevor Bauer was able to get three years for 102 million, I don't see why Blake Snell, who's a much better pitcher than Trevor Bauer, would be able to get more than that. Um, so you, you look at the situation and if Snell wants that long-term deal, it's looking like, you're going to baseball irrelevancy with the Giants or the Angels, depending on how 
married they are to giving him what six, seven, eight years, whatever it might be. Or if you want to take a five or six year deal with the Yankees at the price that they're kind of going to dictate because the Yankees have a financial situation that's unlike most, it's really only comparable to what the Dodgers and the Mets right now mm-hmm. in terms of tax payments and, you know, uh, having to deal with uh, the $300 million threshold. So yeah, it, it's a tough situation for Blake Snow. Um, Boris's fault kind of uh, state of MLB in terms of who needs what and um you know what teams have kind of been desperate over the last few years to jack up the payroll in the manner that they've done yeah it's 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 unfortunate for them but like at the end of the day still like five years 150 mil backloaded is, is still not a bad deal um and maybe they put incentives in there maybe it's like hey give us a couple of 30 start seasons with a sub four era and there's another 10 mil for you um maybe escalators up to 200 million i don't know either way it's looking like no cease trade until the deadline because the Yankees are not giving into that price and the White Sox now have not budged since what November. Yeah. So why would they budge now? Why are they going to budge now? They're not going to. Um, so they'll play out their chances. Cause again, see, remember ceases value can really only go up. I don't think he can have worse. I mean, obviously he can, but the, the odds of him having a worse season than he did last year or a worse first half than he did last year are very slim, especially yeah. if he's, feeling good and he's over, you know, the, the dinged up injuries or whatever. So his trade value is only going to increase if he performs better up until the trade deadline. Um, so rule that out right now, because the Yankees are not paying the elevated price. If they have to, when the time comes, I think we can all argue that that would be a move that they should do. We would advise for that. And then for Blake Snell, it's like he's stuck in this no man's land. He's got to figure out what he wants to do. Um, and the Yankees have seemingly drew, drew a line. And they said, look, it's either you for five, six years or it ain't happening because we can't make it work financially. Um, or I guess enjoy Anaheim. Sucks, but it's what it is. And we told you on the last show they would not be stupid enough to prevent themselves from signing Juan Soto by signing Blake Snell. And if they were going to sign Snell, then that meant they had enough money in reserve for Soto as well. Well, they're telling you they're not signing Snell to a short-term deal. So they need that money for Juan Soto. They, yep. they know what they're doing. Um, and the, the shame is uh, – there's sort of it's easy to get yourself like this circular logic in your own brain of like man it would be great though to have stroman and snell but they didn't have stroman until snell turned down that five-year 150 million dollar deal or whatever it was then they pivoted to stroman so i don't think there was ever a world where they would have both because right now they're hesitant to go get snell i think you do need both i think just stroman gives you reliability but without the upside play of snell and just snell you are terrified by that volatility. You do not know if anybody's given you 150 innings in that rotation. You're no. adding another Carlos Rodon. It's exhibit in the pimp your ride meme. We heard you like Carlos Rodon, so we put another Carlos Rodon on your Carlos Rodon. Like, <laughs> Blake Snell is, is a Rodon volatile candidate. He could be the Cy Young. He could be a Cy Young repeater. He could give you 125 innings and, and give you an 8.5 ERA in April. You just don't know. So, I would have loved to have had both, but it seems like that was never on the table. Uh, you know, there, there was no way where they were like, we'll just, you know, we'll keep this offer on the table. That was a lie. And we'll sign Stroman. We'll circle back to Blake tomorrow and see if he's willing to play with us. No, obviously uh, that is not going to happen at this juncture. So I would rather have Stroman on the cheap contract they have Stroman on than have just Snell. I know that might be an unpopular opinion, but that is my take. Um, Slick double play up the middle as well, just turned by Yorbeat Bebos. Uh, and I read the Yankees' official pronunciation guide over the weekend. It came with the spring training Bebos? leaflet, and it's Bebos. Two Bs. 
So if anybody can, if you feel free to combat me here and I'll send you the Yankees leaflet. I'll, I'll mail you a leaflet. I'm not afraid to do so. Uh, <laughs> I was very surprised. Your beat B-Boss. A lot of hard uh, E's in their eyes that have become E's. Uh, it's a great name. And I want to do it justice. Uh, so that's that on that. But yes, yeah, Slick DP turn by B-Boss. Uh, Lombard and B-Boss, in fact. Uh, at this go- rate, he's going to take over for Glaber if Glaber leaves next. To, I know we have the Glaber extension talks. We can touch on that for a second. I'm more interested in him than I am in Oswald Peraza. I point. 100% am. Lefty bat, sweet swing, can play multiple infield positions. Uh, I know the Dodgers system is usually overrated in some way, shape, or form. It always is, but they still know how to pluck talent. Um, and the fact that uh, that trade kind of took a little while to um, come together because there were a lot of moving parts and they needed to clear those roster spots. Maybe the Yankees got to win there. I don't know. But Glaber said he wanted to remain a Yankee for life. Um, I think the Yankees know that they can wait to figure anything out with him because, A, he wants to be here. Um, B, they know they need to focus on someone like Juan Soto first, and then they can tell Glaber, hey – in the event he has a really good 2024 and they, and they want to keep him just be like, look, let us figure this out and then we'll take care of you hang tight. Um, I feel like there's that kind of relationship there. Maybe, maybe not. Um, Or maybe they could just take advantage of the fact that he wants to be here and they could just be like, look, you're waiting. And that's the, if you want to stay here, you're waiting for us to figure this out or you can go like we we'll, we'll have it figured out. Don't worry. So, but I like Vivas. I really do. And, and the only other thing that comes to mind with Glaber, look, we don't know until the end of the year. He, he seems to be swept up in the clubhouse bromance right now. He's enjoying his time with Soto, and he's a great fit, a great fit, and could easily – all we were saying last year was he can't be the second-best hitter on the team with a 118 OPS+. plus. He could be the sixth-best hitter on this team with a 118-120 OPS+. plus. It'd be a really mm. good offense. I'm excited for Glaber this year. I think he made some meaningful changes to his approach last year, and it showed um, – I think there is a chance he stays beyond this year. He's going to have to wait for that to occur. And I also can't shake one particular thought that if Juan Soto, let's say the Mets do not want to go 200 million over the consensus offer for Juan Soto, but they do want to make big sweeping changes, which they, they have to. So the Mets need to spend next year. The window reopens next year. They need pitching. So the Orioles should be scared of the Mets on Corbin Burns for sure. Absolutely. Max Freed, who I still think is a Dodger is also a Mets option, but the Mets are going to have to, the the first Mets expenditure going to have to be a pitcher. The second one is going to have to be replacing Pete Alonso, who is almost definitely going to seek money over Mets and is almost definitely going to go to the Chicago Cubs. People seem to be aligned on that. So then they'll have to spend money on a first baseman. How about a fat Max Scherzer, Justin Verlander-esque two or three year deal for Paul Goldschmidt, who's a free agent. So that's a lot of money on a pitcher, 100, 120 million on a first baseman. And then wouldn't Glaber fit in pretty nicely there in the Seve Bader constant thieving of former Yankees, Carlos Mendoza in the dugout clubhouse? I don't know. That's my thought. Uh, if you got another 150 million to splash, why wouldn't you outbid the Yankees slightly while they were distracted by Soto? put Glaber at second base, especially because the Yankees aren't exactly sold on a long-term Glaber fit anyway. That's the final scary note I'll leave you with. But at the same time, if the Yankees ended up with Soto and the Mets got Glaber, would anybody really be that upset with that? No. 
I'm fine with that theory. I think it's it also makes sense, and I'm willing. I'm willing to. Uh, I'm not going to lose sleep over that. No, but enjoy the year you have with Glaber again. Yeah. So oh, like, yeah. uh, just enjoy the year that you're about to have. It could be a good one. It seems like it might be, and if it's not, then then it's what we were given. So what? You can't change it. At the end of the year, you can't go back and be like, I wish that was better. Can it be? No, it can't. Uh, so I'm excited for 2024. More excited now that the games that, that uh, you know, spring games have begun. Uh, but I will say about a week from now, you know, early March, March 2nd, I'm not going to be that excited about spring training. I'll be tapping my watch being like, can we sim this shit to the end, please? Uh, no, 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 thanks. No thanks to uh, the seventh inning where some, you know, ninth stringer comes in and walk, walk, hit by pitch, you know. no, And, and also, I, I just want to be watching this optimistically and joyfully. I don't want to be like, injury? Is that a tweak? Is that a dive? What'd that guy do? Is his arm okay? He's touching it. Oh, he's just touching it because he's scratching it? Okay, cool, cool. Like, that stinks. <laughs> I don't want that either. Uh, so enjoy it as much as you can, but let's just get closer to opening day. We will be back here at this very channel, we promise. 2.30 Eastern time, half hour later, set the alarms, set the noties, tell your boss you got an important meeting, whatever you have to do. 2.30 Eastern on Thursday with Keith McPherson, special guest. Um... I'm Adam Weiner, but you can find me on Twitter at Adam Weiner. It's on the screen right now. Uh, it's a platform actually formerly known as Twitter. Some call it X, which is kind of honestly a little bit wacky. And whoever's responsible for that, I bet he has some great ideas. Thomas Carinante, where can the people find you? I am at Tommy's underscore takes. We are at the official Yanks Go Yard Twitter account, Yanks Go Yard FS. Pretty cool. You never know who you're dealing with. So let's no. keep on going. No, because um, we're both pretty combative and angry. So if we're snapping at you, you don't know who it is. You'll Could be never know. You will never know. Unless you track the IP address, I guess. But then you good will. luck. Then you will. Good luck, because I use a VPN to dodge MLB Network's blackout restrictions. Suck it. Um, head on over to yanksgoyard.com. Plenty of content there for you. you guys are gobbling it up. Um, thank you so much. We're trying to keep you up to date. We're trying to have the most compelling content out there. I think we're doing a good job. Um, but please keep supporting, commenting, um, do that you can all that you can do. And thanks for tuning in today. We appreciate it. Thursday, please don't miss it. Keith is the man, one of the most real Yankee fans you'll ever hear, meet, and talk to. Um, and you'll get him live. Nice enough to do a live podcast. What a guy. He's on live WFAN every single night, fielding calls. So this will be the minor leagues for him. He's gonna knock it out of the park. So we're gonna have a great time. Thanks, everybody, and we'll talk to you on Thursday, 2:30. Don't forget it. See you, everybody.